Hey everybody, this is Donnie. And Kathy. And this is going to be the start of a series of podcasts. This is Alchemy for Everyday Living. And we're going to be talking about uh, you know different topics and things relating to not only spiritual transformation, but a kind of taking the fluff out of things and, and looking at them from a deeper level and something that's a little bit more um, tangible. Right now, we have this coronavirus going on, so it's an obvious topic, right? The isolation. The isolation. Social isolation from one another. And, and some people are really dreading that, and, and I know that it's bringing up a lot of reactions uh, for people. And I know for myself, there was an initial reaction, of course, Many of us, I think, immediately go to panic. What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? What are we going to do financially? And those are all obvious things um, that we're going to have to deal with as, as the days unfold. But, I mean, if there's nothing you could do right this very second, then the question is, is what do you do in that moment of isolation? So. And me, being a public school educator, you know, this has taken on a new opportunity to uh, do some long distance learning, which is both a challenge for myself and for students uh, as well. So it's really a, a whole new territory that we have never embarked on before. So we're going to look at some of the pros and cons of uh, this whole concept of social isolation. And for me, you know, it's kind of overwhelming because of, you know, though, you know, financially, you know, uh, thank God, I don't have to worry about that. But, you know, a lot of my students, you know, are not necessarily financially, uh, you know, available or well off. Some, you know, are, uh, you know, struggling you know, with a lot of different aspects. So this is really taken on a uh, quite an interesting turn. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot in that. You know, it's 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 the the financial worries. I always think I don't know if you do this, but I I often ask myself when something comes up, it's like what buttons are are the this situation pushing within me? Like, what is it that I can learn? What is it that I'm that where is my struggle? And I think for some people, the struggle right now is really the things we've been avoiding. You know, we don't know how to sit with ourselves anymore. People are worried about like what they're gonna do when they're home alone. They're gonna be Netflixing. I hear a lot of people say, oh, I'm gonna Netflix. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna get all caught up on my movies. Some people are on their social media. Yes. They're on their TikTok. And the thing is, is these are opportunities right now where we can actually spend time talking with our families again, spending time talking with our friends, reconnecting. I think there is such a disconnect. And that disconnect, I think, is super obvious when you go to the supermarket and you have people buying 25 rolls of toilet paper. Nobody's wiping their ass that much. I mean, this is not, this is not the diarrhea yes. virus. And, and if they are, then they really should have seen a doctor a long time ago. <laughs> they should have seen a doctor before this virus came along. It's unbelievable to me because people are in this, I know that the, some people justify it and say that they are in protection mode, that they're protecting themselves. But this goes to a whole new level of selfishness, self-centeredness. Um, we're not just in survival mode. I mean, people are really um, not thinking about each other from like a tribal perspective or a community perspective. Like, how do I help somebody? And I've heard some really beautiful stories 
of you know elderly people in in parking lots of of a supermarket and someone going in and shopping for them i mean that's that doesn't seem like the norm but it feels like that's what we should be striving for i think we could do better i think so too i think this is like uh you know 9-11 i think after 9-11 a lot of the americans came together and really uh truly uh, expressed a concern and a willingness to want to help. And I think we're back there again. I think somehow we forgot that. And it seems to be that it takes a natural national disaster usually to bring people together. And hopefully one day, you know, we will be able to do that without it being a part of, you know, necessity or, you know, a life or death situation. Have you ever noticed that in some people that they actually need a crisis? They literally, if they don't have a crisis, they'll make a crisis because there's sort of a feeling of camaraderie through crisis. I see relationships that actually sustain themselves on crisis. If they don't have a crisis within the relationship, there's no sustainability. But I think that we can find ways of uniting without there being a crisis. I mean, 9-11 is a great example of people being united, but it didn't last long. I don't think it lasted long enough. Right. And here we are again, and actually in some ways I think, you know, this, we're being so, we're being encouraged to socially not connect, maybe physically, but instead of spending hours and hours on TikTok, like I have found myself doing sometimes, I could be spending an hour on the phone reconnecting with a friend that I haven't had time with. Absolutely, yes. And I think that's the message that I think uh, we're going to try to bring uh, to the listeners today is you know, to unplug from the, uh, you know, all the noise that is outside, even the, uh, you know, the media, you know, the Facebooking, the YouTubers, you know, and to really, you know, reconnect with yourself, not only necessarily, and, you know, the family around you, you know, people, families have not even eaten together for years on end oh they watch tv or one's in one's out right absolutely and so now they ought to be in you hear about that that people drugs are on all-time high whether it is prescription drugs whether it is um street drugs depression disconnection is at an all-time high and people are looking for solutions but when you suggest something like meditation the immediate response is i don't have the time I'm not disciplined, I have ADD, whatever the case may be. I wonder how many people are gonna take this time and this opportunity to practice that. I mean, you have nothing else to do. I mean, if you're quarantined at home and you're home for two weeks, there's gotta be time in your day to try to meditate. Absolutely. And, you know, we all know that meditation has a very soothing, calming effect. But how do you think people just start, you know, doing that, you know, they, have all different excuses, like you said. How do they just begin to start? I mean, I think for some people, a guided meditation is really helpful. I think if you have an active mind like mine, I mean, just closing my eyes and like uh, chanting or just counting or breathing doesn't work for me. It just doesn't. It never really has. I think it's getting better. I can do a few minutes at a time, but I'm more of an active meditator. So I need to either follow somebody or I have to do journey work, which really just involves me visualizing, closing my eyes, breathing and visualizing myself on a journey. Now that journey can bring information. It can bring enlightenment, but um, just taking the time to get out of that hustle and bustle of thought and allow yourself to be guided is a form of meditation. For other people, it's turning on music. Some people it's chanting. 
I think there's a lot of different versions, but start out with something small. I mean, some people are like, I can't do 25 minutes. Well, can you do 25 seconds? And tomorrow, can you do one minute and then three minutes and then 10 minutes? It's a slow process. Correct. So how does the uh, title of this podcast, Alchemy for Everyday Living, fit into what is happening today? Well, you know, alchemy, when you, when you think about what comes to mind, most people have heard the story of the alchemist. Um, not just the book by um, Paulo Collier, but the, the alchemist is, is the art of um, transforming something, changing something. You know, and I think the story most people know is changing silver to gold. But when you think about alchemy in the world, it's taking somebody who, who is in pain and bringing him to a place of bliss. It's somebody who has no focus, who comes to a place of focus. It's somebody who used to react, who comes to a place to just be and, and be able to observe. Those are all transformative processes. You know, alchemy in everyday living is literally becoming aware, being present, and being more conscious on what you create. And the reality is, is we're all in creation. We're constantly creating. It's just sometimes we're creating so... Um, True. We're, we're asleep and we create garbage mm -hmm. often. So I think that this will be a lot of focus on how do we create something that's worth keeping. So how did you get involved in this uh, alchemy for everyday living? Like, how is your, your personal, uh, you know, um, experiences and, uh, you know, your philosophies about living life? combined in this uh, thought process like how did I get there yeah sort of like how did you get there I probably like a lot of people I mean I have met very few people who were like I was living the most grand wonderful life and then I decided to spiritually seek I think people get on <laughs> on a journey because they're looking for something better it doesn't always have to be a disaster or a crisis or a horrible uh, life but I think that when you come to the point where you're seeking for something better, it's because what's in front of you is not working. And so regardless of what I came from, I realized that what I was doing wasn't working. And so I started to just expand my awareness, becoming more present. But some people live all their life in quiet desperation and don't even realize that they're in quiet desperation. It becomes like, you know, that old shoe, you know, or not necessarily the old shoe, the, the new shoe that doesn't necessarily fit, you know, it's uncomfortable, but it's all they kind of, you know, know. Right. I mean, if you don't and have they, something to compare it to, if you don't know that what you have is, is not working, that you don't have nothing to compare it to. So there may be no motivation there. I think, you know, what I try to do as an individual, because, you know, Every person you meet, every opportunity you have where you come into contact with somebody, you have a chance to give them contrast. The question is, do you give them the contrast of something worse or something better? You know, in a store, you can do something as simple as smiling at a complete stranger and you've created contrast because that person typically sees people who are unapproachable. And if you think about it, for very, very young on, we're taught to not even interact with strangers. Right. So we go through life with this very detached, closed-off energy. Kind of like a fear-based kind of, you know, totally philosophy. Totally fear-based. Yeah. I can see that. So there's a lot of different ways where we can create contrast where somebody can say, hey, wait a second, there is a difference. There is a better way of living. And maybe what I have is not only is it not enough, but I deserve more. 
And I think that's part of the, the huge part of the equation is people going through life just believing that they don't deserve more. And I don't mean material things. Let me be very specific about that. When I say I deserve more, meaning I deserve to be loved, I deserve to be honored, I deserve to be respected, um, I deserve to live out my dream and be and fulfill who I am based on my desires and my wants and not based on teachers, parents, relatives, or friends' desires for me. Right. But that whole philosophy of uh, law of attraction really, uh, you know, talks about, you know, visualizing, you know, making visual boards, all these things to kind of like manifest what, what you want. I can't imagine, you know, cutting out pieces of paper or, you know, from magazines and putting on a board, you know, will help you get what you need. I think it's more of an internal kind of job. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I want to talk on that. So there are people out there, I think, who believe if they, they do clippings and they cut them out and they stick them on the board that that somehow is going to manifest um, their dreams. I personally don't believe that. I don't think that's realistic. Um, I think emotion, the emotion that that invokes within you and how much it allows you to focus on what you want to create is actually where the creation takes place. So I have a little hack that I offer to, to people that I work with. I say, you're on your phone, unfortunately, way too much. You probably check that phone 50 million times a day. So instead of having a picture, um, one picture on your screen, create a vision board on your screen and have it, have it with things that invoke emotion of where you want to end up. Right. So if you're going to pick it up and you're going to look at it anyway, you might as well look at things that remind you on the path that you're headed Absolutely. But going uh, and inside, you know, and looking at, at yourself and your relationships with the world and uh, other people, you know, can be quite scary and challenging. And I think not everybody is up for the task to do that. Well, I think, you know, it's definitely a choice, right? Every, everything is a choice. Some people choose not to. I used to think it was my job to convince them otherwise, but what I realize now is we all have our own individual journey. If somebody wants to take that risk, what I'm going to provide them with is, is the support in knowing that it is possible to get to the other side of that fear. Okay. So what do you think has to happen in order to create this, this change? You have that to lean into it. You have to lean into that discomfort. I mean, sometimes it's really just about pushing through that veil of fear, that discomfort, and sitting with it long enough for it to pass. We, I think as human beings, naturally are inclined to go whatever feels the best, the quickest, the easiest. Oh, I don't feel good. I'm emotional. Let me eat a Snickers. You know, it makes me feel good. Okay, well, the Snickers high left me, so now let me go and watch a video. Oh, that right, left me. Right. I'm bored, so now I'm going to do this. And so you never get that opportunity to sit with the discomfort long enough to realize that it actually does pass without feeding yourself all different forms of stimulation of avoidance. Mm -hmm. That's very true. But I think people really don't even know what they they really want or need in life because we do spend so much time looking outside of ourselves to fill that void. So then we have to ask ourselves, you know, what's the change? What has to happen? What do I really want in my life? Yeah. I, th I feel like I just get this image in my mind, like everybody's on this like 
useless Easter egg hunt that they're looking around <laughs> and you know they have those, those little plastic eggs and there's nothing in them. I mean, there's nothing really of value. The excitement is finding the egg and then you have to run to the next egg and run to the next egg. Right. Eventually, you know, you're, you're done with the Easter egg hunt and then you have to go look for, you know, delicious candy to eat. That's right. But there's nothing really in there. And I think where my path has changed is it's not just the hunt for the egg anymore, but it's actually the journey of walking around and just being aware of my surroundings. Because there's beauty in the grass itself. It's not the egg. Right. Absolutely. Yes. It's just being in that moment. Yes. I know for me, I spent a lot of times running around looking for those Easter eggs. <laughs> and a lot of time they were empty. <laughs> but I still wanted to look. Yes. You know, it's that, uh, that obsession, you know, that once I find it, I'll be happy. Once this happens, I'll be happy. You know, once I have the right job, once I have the right relationship, this will all make me happy and I will be complete. It's a never-ending chase. It's a never-ending chase of promises that don't fulfill and don't last. So the, the, the only solution is to go inward and look at yourself, your relationships, and you as a, uh, as a healing teacher, um, what kind of... Um, solutions would you give like how to begin so i i work individually with people because i think that we are all individuals and while our our basic pains and and challenges are the same i mean fear is fear right you know and and sadness and rejection and and, and fear of being rejected those are all things that people go through but we all have different closets to clean out and i think what what we need to start with is having a very honest real look into our own closets and to start doing some spring cleaning. So I think a lot of what I think these podcasts will end up being is some real conversations that maybe people want to have, but they're afraid to have them and kind of looking at stuff that's sitting there that maybe feels uncomfortable or shameful or um, awkward to talk about, but they need to be talked about. And I think that once that conversation is had and we dive a little deeper, we have an opportunity for freedom. I think that's very true. I think a lot of people are, uh, you know, desperately seeking that, you know, um, and really don't know where where to go, you know. But all all joking aside, you know, this is serious business. But you don't have to necessarily uh, lose your sense of humor in relationship to this. Right, in order to find your no, your, your happiness, you gotta you gotta be able to laugh. I mean, sometimes it's even funny. Uh, some some things that I've looked at and I've explored and learned about my life are cringeworthy, but once the healing is done, I can look back and laugh at it. I'm like, oh my god, did I actually believe that that was true? Right. right. Or did I actually feel that way about myself? Or did I perceive somebody else in a light that wasn't really accurate? I mean, it's it's cringeworthy at first. Yes. Like, oh my God. Like you just <laughs> want to go back and erase that shit. And then you acknowledge the fact that it's, it's funny because it's so absurd. A lot of right, what we right. go through is yes. just crazy. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I've had some cringe worsing moments myself, you know, where I can't believe it. I was like, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I think like anybody else, you know, uh, we get to the point we have to also find that forgiveness for ourselves and realize that if we could have done better, if we did know better, we would have done better. Absolutely. And as we get better, there's a certain level of accountability. And I think that's where we're at today. Um, I think I want to leave with the thought that, you know, we are, we are people who are just trying to become better people and we have to do better. We have to become more aware. And if this is somebody listening to this podcast, then they already are in the direction of wanting to do better. And that's something that we can do together. Well, I think that's uh, very important. And I think you uh, have a lot of uh, wonderful insight to share. Um, you know, I know that you've uh, been a big influence in my life and, uh, you know, your compassion and your insight and your non-judgmental kind of like uh, view really has, uh, I think, helped and inspired a lot of people. So I look forward to hearing much more from Alchemy in Everyday Life. So everybody, be safe. Be kind to yourself. Take this time and this, if you're quarantined, give yourself a five-minute space, a couple minutes to meditate, some time to connect with people you love, uh, most importantly, connecting with yourself and... uh, We'll continue this conversation soon.